Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unexplained World Internet Radio Broadcast with your host, Edward Shanahan, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Listeners, welcome to the Unexplained World broadcast with your hosts, Annette and myself, Ed Shanahan. Um, tonight, Annette is not with us. She got a call at the beginning of the week that um, she had to basically run out of town up to Wisconsin. So um, she's not with us tonight. But our guest is. Our guest is Miss Michelle Bellinger. Hello, Michelle. Are you there? I am here. How are you doing, Ed? Oh, I I think I got my second round of pneumonia for the year. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, kind of sudden. Um, that's why my voice sounds the way it does. Um, so let's bear with me tonight, okay? Oh, don't so, worry about it. It's been a hard winter all around. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been rough. I had pneumonia back in February, and uh, what I do during the day allows me to be outside. And Chicago's weather has been really funky. So. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been, well, I'm I'm in Ohio. It's been up and down, kind of like a yo-yo. Oh, but and you made it with the storms and everything too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We had that like really crazy blizzard. I wasn't home for that. I was actually uh, coming home from or coming going from Atlanta to Detroit, and I managed to miss the blizzard entirely. Oh, good, good for you. So you had somebody else to do the shovel shoveling for you, right? <laughs> yep. Okay, um, you're the author of a book, Psychic Vampire Codex. Psychic Dreamwalking, Psychic Energy Codex, Vampires in Their Own Words. Okay, and uh, I was, I found it very interesting. I was going over your um, your titles today, what they're about in there. Let's start with the first book. How's that sound? And we'll right. take it from That's there. Um, you yourself um, have psychic abilities. You're raised in a house with. It seems like you were surrounded by people that had that ability. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. Things ran in the family. Uh, definitely ran in the family for us. Uh, we were allowed to explore them, but my grandmother was a little paranoid about what other people might think, so it wasn't appropriate mm-hmm. to talk about it in front of other people. Uh, but we talked about a lot of things behind closed doors. She herself had, uh, had precognitive dreams most of her life. Some okay. of them really distressed her because they tended to be about fairly disastrous things. Uh, but okay. we would – it was something that I was exposed to from a very early age on. So this wasn't something that, you know, this was a whim later in life to uh, get involved with. This was something that was basically you inherited, I guess you would say. Yeah, very much so. Um, okay. I had been born with a, a heart defect, and I had at least two near-death experiences before this 
uh, before I was the age of five. And mm-hmm. my mom always thought that that had a significant impact on how quickly I developed um, and how significantly I developed some of my abilities. But it, having people I could talk to about things also made it easier to process those and to not be afraid of the experiences. I had the uh, opportunity, and i got to say it was an opportunity, to talk to a young gentleman. He wasn't even 35 years of age yet. That died, and they brought back to life, okay? And, um, I mean, this, this was a big, brawly guy. And that's when he talked about it. For some reason, he brought it up with me. They know what I'm involved with, uh, what I do with, in the day. They know that I'm involved in this stuff. But he brought it up, and just to see this big, brawly guy, when he started talking about it, he was basically like looking through me, okay, and seeing a screen. You could see it on his face. He was like seeing a movie or something. His whole, his whole expression was that of relaxation. It was a beautiful thing to see. Do you, did you feel this during your... Re- the, the experience really changes you. I, uh, I clearly remember one of the near-death experiences and I was not alarmed by what was going on. Uh, there was a sense of detachment. I was looking down at uh, what you know I now realize was operating on, on me. Uh, I ended up kind of focusing on a couple of items in the operating room, and then there was a fairly classic light. And it wasn't so much of a sense of a tunnel. There was just suddenly I kind of like my perception turned, and there was this this light, mm-hmm. and just the sense that there was. That, that everything was okay. Yeah. Would you, I try to tell people who are, you know, talking about the paranormal and stuff like that, and spirits, basically, I try to advise them to go read documents of uh, people who had near-death experiences. They're all over the Internet. I think a lot of research should start there, wouldn't you? Do you agree with that? I think it definitely helps because somebody who's gone through a near-death experience has actually touched the spirit world, has been over there. Um, right. I think one of the reasons that somebody, that, that a lot of people who come back from that uh, have a lot of, like, psychic awakenings, a lot of experiences thereafter, is you kind of, like, bring some of that realm back with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people, if you haven't had direct experience with the spirit world, it can be kind of frightening, especially if you've really grown up on, like, Hollywood and stuff and ghosts are scary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if if you've actually crossed over, there's more of this. For most people, there's more a sense of peace. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just another type of existence. It's it's no, in in some respects, it's no different from our world in the fact that there are good things and bad things over there, and it's just like dealing with people, just people on a different level. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Your book, uh, the very first one, I believe it is, the Psychic Vampire Codex. Yep. What what was that about? What is that about? Well, I am, and don't everybody all grab your uh, steaks and garlic. I'm a I'm a psychic vampire. Uh, part okay. of the the reason I am a psychic vampire is probably because of the the birth defects uh, and health problems I had as a child, and the fact that I was very psychic, and I instinctively was able to sense the life energy, the the energy of other people, and I learned to take that to compensate for my problems. So basically. Proactively self-heal. Uh, if you're familiar with any energy healing techniques, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing is taking vitality and putting it into somebody to heal them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I and, – and I learned other people like me basically develop this capacity 
to, to take what they needed in order to keep themselves going. Now, I began to become aware of the fact that I was doing this, that it had repercussions on the people that I was taking from, and that it was probably not something I should be doing without permission um, around my early teens. And right. I, I struggled with the reality of it through my teen years and through college. When I got to college, uh, I went from a fairly small town to, you know, the, well, the big city for me, Cleveland, uh, at the time, but I was exposed to more people, people who were into the paranormal and the occult, um, more than just my family, because um, mm-hmm. my family had this, this sort of attitude of you, you could talk about it and you had these gifts, but you, they really dissuaded people from like, you know, opening books and studying it, uh, just because somehow having the experience was okay, but really delving into the study of it edged on witchcraft or occultism, and that was kind of a no-no. But I I ran into people, and they weren't, you know, they weren't crazy, slavering Satanists. Uh, They were were educated, balanced people who had been doing research and found some decent books. Uh, I found a book called Psychic Self-Defense by a woman, uh, Dionne Fortune, and it's probably the most classic work on psychic self-defense. And she, in one of the chapters, wrote about people like me uh, who were preying on other people who didn't necessarily know that they had this capacity. And a lot of the self-defense in her book was about how to protect yourself from people like me. Well, I'm reading, you know, the descriptions of these psychic vampires, and I'm like, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, no, I've, I've, I've done this. Yeah. You never put a title to it, though. Uh, I, I kind of... I'd, I'd hit on the idea of a vampire only because we, we don't have a good word in the English language for somebody who takes life energy or the life force aside from vampire. Now, vampire right. comes with a whole bunch of baggage because of Hollywood and all of the books and things like that. Uh, so I, I didn't think at any point in time that I was undead, uh, never had a problem with garlic or, or mirrors. But by mm-hmm. the, the constraints of language, the, the word vampire and then by extension psychic vampire fits. Well, the whole process of coming to terms with this was, was a real struggle for me, and I was racked with guilt for a while because I had been taking some people uh, against their will and without their permission, which comes to a type of attack. So I wrote the book uh, to teach other people what this was and that it's not necessarily a bad thing if you're doing it in a consensual fashion. Yeah. Uh, I drew upon a lot of Eastern studies where uh, in, in Taoism and in Buddhism, there's the belief that people have chi, have life energy, and sometimes people have too much, and sometimes people don't have enough. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a very natural thing um, in the Eastern tradition to just simply find somebody who is your balance. So if you have too much, you find someone who doesn't have enough, and you give it to them. Uh, and in that respect, it's you know two adults who are doing something that is mutually beneficial. So, but there's not. There's no harm. Is there a real harm done to an individual? Let's say you tap into their energy. Well, if you're doing it against their will, uh, you are invading something very personal and private to them. And at the very least, they're going to feel somewhat invaded, uh, and it it can give them headaches and make them uh, kind of sleepy, especially I, I liken it to... Exchanging energy with somebody, connecting to their energy is a very intimate process. Uh, you're connecting, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, on the very essential level of that person. Yeah. Much like a kiss, which mm-hmm. if you're kissing somebody that you really like, it's a wonderful thing. But if 
I randomly walked up to a stranger on the street and planted a big fat kiss on their lips without their desire or uh, you know expectation. Yeah, they will probably feel un- that the experience was unpleasant. So, okay. to take energy without somebody's knowledge or permission can be unpleasant for them. To share energy with someone when both parties know what they're doing and are meeting on equal terms, that's actually a very beautiful thing. Now, how many people have you come across that this has benefited? Um... Well, there's there's an entire community of people who are basically ethical ethical vampires who realize okay. that they have this capacity and who've become aware of how to uh, how to do it in a, uh, how to use their powers for good. <laughs> okay. Thousands. Okay. Um, thousands. Really, thousands. It's um, there's about a thousand folks in the vampire community in New York City alone, and by extension, um, several hundred in every major city that I know of in the U.S. And, and this would be basically. Like, huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And those are the ones who actually like kind of stand up and be counted. And this would be more or less the energy. Um, exchanging the energy uh, uh, vampirism um, that you're talking people, about. Then. Yep, pe- people who are aware of being vampiric and who have decided to communicate with one another about it and do do what they do in a fashion that is non-harmful to the people around them. Did you ever see the, um, I believe it was Showtime, or HBO, it was HBO. They had a cable TV show on called Carnival. Did you see that when it was on? You know, I never got to catch it. My best friend told me that it was really, really cool, and he was very upset that it got canceled. Yeah, I was upset too. And the one thing, when the uh, individual would heal, okay, and basically this was bringing people back from the dead, um, everything around them would die because of the energy needed, okay, that he sucked okay. out. Yeah, and it's... And that's what what you're talking about reminded me yeah. of. Is, yeah, I can, uh, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, is that even on a smaller version, okay, to get to, to benefit something else has to suffer. So um, unless well, it's of, a mu- most, unless it's a mutual, right? Like you said. Yeah, most most of the people that I know who are psychic vampires, they're very, very psychic, and um, in some respects they may be using up like more energy than the average person uses and this mm. is what they're they're needing to take from others in order to fuel these abilities. Now I mean everybody takes energy and everybody gives energy. And right. um at least by the, the Taoist worldview, uh you, you get energy from the, the earth beneath your feet and from, you know, all sorts of natural sources. And one of the things that uh myself and other psychic vampires have noticed is for one reason or another, uh we really tend to be limited to or focus mostly on the energy of the people. We wouldn't, we wouldn't call ourselves vampires if we could go out and eat a tree, basically. Right, right. Uh, and yeah, and yeah. There, there's something about the intensity uh, and the, the quality of the energy from other people that is the fuel that we need for the kind of stuff that we do. Are you able to focus in and are you able to know what individual you would be able to... Um, get energy if let's say you're just uh be the vampire without their consent can you focus on somebody that would have the i guess you would say um energy that would be beneficial to you okay or do you um, just randomly select this you know 
potluck type Oh, no, there's, there's, there's really nothing random about it. You, you, get, you get a feel for people. Um, okay. Vampires can usually pick one another out in a crowd as well because we have a particular energy. We call it the beacon where there's just sort of this, this sense to the way that person's energy flows. And one of the, one of the benefits, really, of, of being this way is you are very tuned into the energy of everything around you, people mm-hmm. especially. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you have a strong sense of, like, you know, all the people in a crowd, you can pick up on their energy, their emotions really easily. You can get a real good sense of if they're healthy, if they're not healthy, um, if they're in a bad mental place. If they're really spiritually developed so that their energy is really, really bright, you, you pick up, like, all this constant data. Uh, and it's, it's overwhelming at first. Like, as a young person, processing this constantly from your environment, uh, one of the things that a lot of us have to learn really early on is being able to block out those senses because we're just we're born left that way. And right. it's such a, a unique experience of the world that we don't have any context for in, in this society that we've all grown up in. And so, you know, it's, it leads a lot of us to kind of be loners because we figure that, you know, nobody can possibly understand the strange way we experience the world until we then find out that there are other people who are psychic out there, too. Yeah, and how do you explain it to somebody that don't even know what you're, real, you know, what you're going through? Yeah, that could be uh, – I can understand part, that part. Um, how, did, do the people, how did you come across your first group of people that were um, – they had the same abilities as you. How did you uh, know? How did you find them? Let's put it that way. How I, would the, how would how would the amateur? How would not the amateur? <laughs> but how would the newbie? You know, um, for, for somebody who's just out there right now, you don't have to you know struggle the way that I did, or just randomly come across people. There mm-hmm. are there are whole sites on the internet um, because now there's actually a community. People communicate with one another. Uh, there are groups. There are houses. There are uh, social networks. There are uh, hundreds of vampire groups on meetup.com. Uh, pretty much you can't spit on the internet without hitting something related to this community. Uh, right. And of course, the only thing is the, the, the usual caveats of the internet hold true, which is to say that always use your always use your gut instinct for whether or not somebody's selling you bullshit. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there are good groups, there are bad groups. Uh, for right. me, it was it was running across other people who had had similar experiences, not just as vampires, but as as psychics, as people who were tuned into the energy of people and places, and just opening a dialogue. Um, and that was that was what college was for me was finding other people that I could share some of the experiences with, and realize that it wasn't just you know my quirky family, uh, yeah. and that there were all these different ways of experiencing this. And then, of course, finding that there were books, and there were great books that had been written on these topics, uh, that many people, you know, I, there was no need to reinvent the wheel in certain respects. People like Dion Fortune or like Harry Price, uh, you know, great writers from the 19th century and the early 20th century had done an awful lot of trailblazing on what psychic energy was, how psychic abilities work, you know, just all of this territory that I just dove right on into. Okay. You have a, another book, Psychic Dreamwalking. Um, you want to explain what that pertains yeah, to? That one, that one is fun. Dreamwalking is where out-of-body experience and lucid dreaming intersect. Uh, it's something that I was actually taught really, really young. Um, there was something I ran into in a fourth grade, if you, if you believe. There was another fourth grader. We were both 10, and she recognized me as someone who was 
psychic and aware, and we would just play little psychic games and things as kids on the playground. Uh, and uh-huh. one of the things she taught me how to do was to uh, basically not quite astral project, but use dreaming, to use the dream state to reach out to other people to communicate with them in dreams. Uh, it's partly dream telepathy. It's partly out of body without the actual going out of body. It's more that you're descending inward. So you use, mm-hmm. use dreaming and you basically use that realm, that rich realm of, of mythic experience once you are there in dreaming to sort of move from space to space, um, from one person's dream realm to the other person's dream realm. It's a little reminiscent of a, an 80s movie called Dreamscape. Okay. There was some some guy who had learned how to like shamanistically travel through people's dreams. The, the main thing is using the connection you have with people um, who are close to you in your life, friends, lovers, relatives, and when you descend into this state where your unconscious mind is more open and more receptive, mm-hmm. you reach out through that space. Now, the ancient Greeks had a belief that the dream space connected to the realm of spirits and the realm of the gods. And it was it was a real place, even though it was also a place of, of fantasy and illusion. And if you knew how to navigate it, you could follow those pathways to the land of the dead, to the land of the gods. And you also see similar ideas in shamanism. And dreamwalking is really just taking these, these ancient concepts and putting it into more modern terminology. Now, does, does the book explain how a person can achieve this? Oh, yeah. Pretty much the book is, is a manual to, to take people, to introduce them to the concept and to the way the dream space intersects things. And then it's exercises to build up um, dream recall and lucidity in dreaming and then how to actually go and dreamwalk to people. Now, do you need the other, like you were talking about the psychic vampire, do you need the other person's consent to come you don't on. need it, but it helps. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm, I'm really big on getting um, objective input, like being able to actually like prove that what you're doing is real, especially when you're talking dreaming and dreamwalking. If you are really thinking about reaching out and talking to your grandmother, uh, the way dreams work, you may just end up having a dream about your grandmother that may or may not be an actual contact. But right. if your grandmother knows to, you know, write down any dream she has about you and write down, you know, the message that you told her in the dream and you can talk to her later and find out that, you know, she got the message, then you know what it feels like when you're really doing this and not just having a dream. Okay, I'm going to go two parts on this, okay? Okay. It's um, number one, two-part question. Number one, do you believe in past lives? Absolutely. Okay. Number two, my thought on uh, the dream walking, okay, to be able to contact another person through your dreaming and stuff, because basically it's the mind. I believe the ones that you're able to contact the strongest, and I've done this myself, are the ones that more than likely may have been part of a past life with you. I would have to agree. Um, I some of the stuff that I will do for dreamwalking is I will reach out to people that I that I know I have those past contacts with that I haven't made contact with yet in this life. Mm-hmm. And um, for verification, uh, and this is actually really kind of a neat thing, is I had um, 
I'd spent a couple of days, a couple of years ago, reaching out like that in dreams, trying to, to travel to other people that I knew but hadn't met yet. And mm-hmm. a few days afterwards, I ended up getting an email from someone. Fortunately, you know, since, since I'm an author and, you know, I'm kind of visible on, online, you can look me up. Well, mm-hmm. I had appeared in this, this young man's dreams. And he's like, okay, I realize that this is, you know, going to sound really forward, but you were in my dreams, and I'm kind of a fan of your work, but, you know, here's this and this and this. And he described something from the dream that made it abundantly clear that I really had been there. Um, He had gotten one of the messages. And as we talked, it was very clear that he was somebody that um, we'd known one another a couple of times in the past. And, yeah, it's those those connections that we form that tie us together karmically that tie us together over uh, multiple lives those mm-hmm. are those are strong pathways that we can use to reach out to connect to people and those are the links um in a couple of the chapters of psychic dream walking those are the links that i teach people to follow the links that we've established in this life but also the links that linger from past lives that let you close that distance soul to soul what is the average amount of time it would for somebody to maybe succeed if they were to? Um, what's the average amount of time it would take? It's if not something that's going to happen overnight. You know, no, it, 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 w- it will take practice. If you are someone who already remembers your dreams fairly fairly easily, um, mm-hmm. and if you have maybe had a couple of lucid dreaming experiences, uh, it can take as little as two weeks. There is a second, there's an alternate technique that doesn't require you to have a full sleep state, doesn't require you to actually like be a lucid dreamer. Uh, And that uses the borderline state between sleeping and waking. You know, as you're dropping off to sleep, but you're still conscious, uh, you can still travel those pathways between reality. uh, And you don't have to completely surrender your conscious thought. And learning how to use that technique about two to three weeks, maybe maybe a month if somebody is really kind of a, having a hard time wrapping their, their brain around some of the techniques, but it's really fairly simple. Uh, when I've done workshops on it, I have had people learn it in in one workshop where they actually had Fantastic. the person that they reached out to uh, contact them back and let them know that, you know, hey, you appeared to me in, in this and such, and, and this was what had happened. So it, Speaking of workshops and that, why don't you tell the people, the listeners, your website? Oh, my website Enjoy. is my yes. first and last name, uh, michellebelanger.com, and it's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-B-E-L-A-N-G-E-R.com, and if that seems like too much to write down, honestly, if you just Google Michelle and Vampire, I will come no, up with the first It'll come up pages. too. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'm really fascinated about the dream walking. Um, how big of a book is it? Oh, goodness. It's what 270 pages or so okay it's, for me it's a for me it's a shorter book because i tend to like clock in at around 350 400 pages uh-huh. uh, but it's it, it's step by step and then also explores a lot of stuff on you know what what dreams really are to us and and different types of dreams dream telepathy uh so what 72 words i think was what it was when it all came down to yeah things. I'm fortunate that I'm able to wake up and go back to sleep and pick up the dream where I left off. That's one of the best ways to actually be able to learn how to lucid dream is mm-hmm. to kind of to, to go back into the dream consciously and bring that mm-hmm. consciousness into the dream. Yeah, that's uh, I, I kind of enjoy the ability to do that. 
And uh, the one of the freakiest ones I had, and I had to call her Annette. She's a high priestess and ask her what this meant is um, I was in one of those dream states where you're semi-awake, you're trying to get yourself out of it, but you can't. Yeah. And um, I was actually talking to my dead relatives face-to-face, and I didn't know if I was dead or not. I couldn't bring myself out of it. And finally, um, when I came out of it was with their words, basically my grandmother's, there was like four of them standing there, that says, we will protect you, Ed. And I came out of it, the pillow was sweaty, you know, uh, full of sweat and everything like that. And I was in a panic state. Even though I do what I do and gotten dream messages, I never experienced something like that. So I had to call Annette, and Annette goes, you probably just hit a higher realm, you know. But yeah. to this day, I can't tell you if I was alive or dead. I, you know, if I would yeah, have. You might you know, have wandered so far away that it, it took a little bit of guidance to get you back. Yeah, I couldn't get, believe me, I couldn't bring myself back, you know. And uh, somebody that's used to coming out of a dream and going, picking up that dream when they go back to sleep, okay, and then find themselves with no control, it does kind of make you panic a little. Yeah, I I have to say that when I was writing the Dreamwalking book and since I wrote the book, uh, I had been, you know, actively Dreamwalking for so many years prior, but writing the book and doing uh, a lot of the work that went into it just completely changed uh, the way I dream. It became so, by, by devoting that much attention and energy to it, uh, this happens now so frequently and so easily. Um, mm-hmm. One of the stories that I recounted in the dream was my, my grandfather appeared to me. He had passed away in 2004. And it it's very common now for just, for me to have these just, where weeks will go by where I am visiting everybody I possibly know. I've had to just kind of like issue blanket statements to the people I'm close close with where I was like, you know, I might show up in your dreams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll sit down and have tea. Don't be mm-hmm. too shocked. Okay. Um, I'm going to make an announcement right now. Um, okay, upcoming, Yeah, upcoming for myself, Monday, I will be doing readings Monday, uh, April 7th, psychic readings at Champs in Burbank from 5 to 9 p.m., and Champs is on 79th Street. And I will also be doing readings on Thursday, April 24th at, Cigar, at Cigars and Stripes in Berlin, Illinois. For more information, just go to the website, theunexplainedworld.com, and look up the event section. You can find out information about Beyond the Veil, overnight paranormal locations that will be run with Ursula and myself. And uh, more details are upcoming. Next broadcast will be April 6th, and then after that, April 20th. And um, like I said, uh, listeners, let's go to theunexplainedworld.com, and you can find out more information on where I'll be doing readings and stuff like that. Um, I get more into it, but um, I'm fascinated with Michelle, and I really don't want to talk about myself. (laughs) Excuse me. Oh, bless you. Okay. Um, the Psychic Energy Codex. What is that book about? Um, I wrote that one because a lot of energy workers like the Psychic Vampire Codex, but they were like, okay, the vampire thing, it's not for me. So they wanted a book that was just uh, about energy work and how to learn how to do energy work. Um, mm-hmm. So the Psychic Energy Codex is kind of a prequel to the Psychic Vampire Codex. Uh, okay. Part of the concept was to be able to create a book about energy and how it works that I could hand to, uh, you know, anybody's mom. 
and their mom would be able to learn how energy works and how to cultivate some of their psychic abilities. Uh, okay. Uh, Go ahead. It's, it's, it's a workbook. It's a lot of exercises. Uh, it addresses a lot of concepts about our psychic abilities and about basically the, the unified field theory of, um, of, of psychic ability where it all comes down to energy. It's people's energy. It's place energy. It's emotional energy. And all of these things, this, this energy is what we're picking up and processing. Spirits are made out of energy. And our psychic abilities are, 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 are our ability in order to uh, – our ability to pick up on that and to process the information that it carries. Okay. All right. Um, and this is a book that, like you said, people could feel more comfortable having around um, than the psych, than the vampire, uh, it, psychic vampire there's, books. There's nothing, really there's nothing on vampires in it at all. So if, if the idea of psychic vampires, you know, kind of tweaks you out a little bit and you're like, yeah, that's, I want to learn more about energy, but the, the vampire thing is not for me. That's, that's what the Psychic Energy Codex was meant to be. I also wrote it. Um, it's not just for, like, beginners who are learning stuff. I wrote it mm-hmm. to be used by teachers also. So there's a chapter at the end on starting a group and dealing with people in groups and just, you know, group work in general when you're working with a, a group like this, studying these things. Um, and so, and I'm really proud of one chapter in particular that compares uh, the idea of the chakras has been reported to the West from India, but there are multiple Mm -hmm. different systems that believe that, you know, there's five chakras, there's seven chakras, there's eight chakras, and Qigong and and traditional Chinese medicine, they don't even believe in chakras. They have these dantians, kind of like energy wells. And I, I do an entire chapter that basically compares and contrasts all of the different visions people have developed of, psych, uh, of subtle anatomy of the energy body mm-hmm. and kind of lead the reader through concluding how the energy body really is, what it looks like, and why all of these different conflicting things exist. Which basically can be very confusing to uh, individuals uh, when there's so much conflicting information and you're trying to learn it and it's like, ah, who do I read, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh, I had that with a. I picked up a beautiful encyclopedia that's on palm reading, but it holds the Western, the Eastern, and some other, the Indian, uh, Native American type of w- ways of reading palms, and it's like, okay, I got the information, but which one is? You know what I'm saying? Which one yeah. do I go with? Yeah, yeah especially so, when you're, uh, you're first starting out, it's there's so much information. Uh, it's it, it's a great thing that we have so much information at our fingertips, and yet it can be very overwhelming. And learning how to navigate it, and also learning, you know, developing the confidence to go with what works for you. You know, if it's right. Native American thing is what really resonates. Uh, realizing that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that one system's right or wrong. It it's all about the symbols with which they present the same information and the same abilities. And mm-hmm. so finding, you know, the symbols that resonate best with you. Right. Now, does the, does the book talk about uh, healing, too, with yeah. energy? Um, okay. Yeah. The, the psychic, both, both of the codexes go into energy healing. I will say that the Psychic Energy Codex goes into more, or the Psychic Vampire Codex goes into some more advanced techniques of, like, uh, psychic surgery. Uh, but the Energy Codex does, mm-hmm. oh, let me see, it it deals with, um, from the very beginning, the first couple of lessons are just learning to perceive energy and to, to feel it uh, up to perceiving auras, 
uh, being able to pick up the emotional input from energy, uh, picking up the energy of places, being able to be aware of the flow of energy in a place, if the energy is you know, good, bad, indifferent, how you can clear energy in a place, how you can improve energy like in your home, in your workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, picking up energy from objects, I have a practice called psychometry, and okay. everything else in between. Uh, also, a little bit of ghost busting, like house cleaning. So when you go uh-huh. to a place that really feels like it's got negative energy or negative things in it, how you would go about addressing that as, and solving the problem uh, rather than just kind of like going, wow, this place is creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do um, the psychometry where... With number one, my readings consist of I do since I ran the little uh, what's coming up for me. I the palm reading, but then I go into what I call psychometry one on one, where I put the person's hands between mine, and uh, then I read them that way. I read their energy, and uh, yeah. I look I look for the little child inside of them as I tell them, because a little child will not lie, and everybody's got a little child inside of them. And then the other thing I do is have People bring a item of a loved one who's passed away, okay, be it eyeglasses, necklace, wedding rings, whatever, and I do medium work by way of psychometry that way, um, conscious channeling, basically. So I do tap into the energy thing, uh, even when we're at the haunted locations. Um, that's what I'm more or less a feeler um, of energy in there. i got to throw a question out to you. Have you ever been into... Now, this is the one place I was overwhelmed with the energy of the people, the spirits living, the human living spirits, and those that passed away. It was uh, It's in the Chicagoland area. It's a campus that's used for the physically and mentally handicapped to the extreme, okay? But when I walked into this place, Michelle, you wouldn't believe the energy. of It's like they're all cooped up inside these these bodies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's one of the most remarkable feelings as far as energy goes that I've ever felt in my yeah, life. Yeah, I haven't been there. The I've been to the Excalibur in Chicago, which is fairly famously haunted. Actually, I, I occasionally sing with a metal band at Chicago based called Urn. And mm-hmm. they they were playing a uh, a benefit for uh, actually it was for New Orleans for Katrina after mm-hmm. the hurricane had hit, and we were in the little building off of the main part of Excalibur, and yeah. that was I didn't I didn't know going into the place that it was haunted. I mean, like I knew that they did like you know things about haunted Chicago in there, and somehow right. it didn't click that the actual building was haunted. Um, yeah. But I, we were there early before anything had set up, and I go upstairs to uh, one of the bathrooms to start getting into my stage costume. And at one point, over this, this there's like a, an open area, kind of like a vault ceiling or something. And I catch out of the corner of my eye some guy hanging from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. stop, and I look. I'm like, oh wait, no, he's not really there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's a crazy Halloween prop. Wait, no, there's no physical person there. Did you get to walk around Excalibur at all? A, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I really wanted to go into the downstairs. There was a spiral staircase that led down, um, but at the right. time it was roped off. But I had this—I had a strong feeling that there was some very interesting stuff down there. Down there, upstairs, uh, there's like little covens or catacombs and everything throughout that building. It's really neat. 
It is really neat. Your um, other book, Vampires in Their Own Words, what does that pertain to? Um, because a lot of people were interested in the idea of the vampire community. There are more people than just me who are psychic vampires or who identify as vampires um, from the Codex. I, I put together an anthology where I had a number of people who are part of the vampire community who've been movers and shakers. You know, they've run websites, they've written a lot of articles, they've established themselves as sane and rational voices, and I had them tell their stories mm -hmm. uh, because... I, I have my views and my interpretations on how psychic vampirism, you know, what it is, why it is, and there is a lot of past life stuff in the way I interpret it. Uh, I think okay. that it's a capacity that's carried on the soul. And not everybody agrees with that, so I wanted to give everybody else an opportunity to tell what they thought was going on, how they came to be what they were, um, why they believed that they were vampiric, and what it, what it did for their lives um, in both good and bad things. Uh, mm -hmm. People who, who grew up in the South and had to struggle with a much more repressive culture. Uh, there's a, a guy who goes by the name of Khan, and he was in the Marines, uh, the first go-round with the whole Middle East stuff uh, in Beirut right. after the bombings. And he became aware of his, his sensitivities, his awareness of, of life energy while he was out you know, fighting people and watching people die on the sand and watching literally like you know, as the blood pulled out, he could see something in the blood that was more than just physical. And, you know, kind of oh. realizing as a Marine, as a jarhead, that, you know, nobody else is seeing this thing. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's probably pretty seriously weird. And his, yeah. his story is really fascinating as he, as he sort of struggles with, you know, disbelief and the fact that, you know, he'd been given no context for this, and yet he still had the abilities and he couldn't really hide from them. And everything else in between, you know, people who, who really kind of like, you know, also adopt um, not just their identity as, as vampiric, but also kind of adopt a little bit of like the vampire image that our culture has started to create, you know, this archetype of, you know, this, this mythic, powerful being. But also, you know, vampire soccer moms, people who are vampiric, but, you know, they're, they're just, you know, the lady. You want to know it if you've seen them. Yeah. yeah. You want to know it if you've seen them. Um, huh. So there's like an underground yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's an underground and that book My and Pi live down the street and you know, might be uh part of the uh Catholic school board, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and you know, Christians actually the in the vampire community we have all sorts of different religious traditions. Um Christians, Jews, uh Khan particularly was raised Jewish. And mm -hmm. uh he was joking about being at somebody's wedding um in the over the summer and he's gonna be, you know, the only vampire there wearing a yarmulke. <laughs> Funny, funny. Where do you, do you have any future books you're planning on doing? Yeah, I've got two that will be coming out. One in the one in the fall, and one uh, in the spring, coming you know in 2009 now. Uh, the one in the fall is called Walking the Twilight Path, and okay. I, I've been working since 1996 to come up with a way of teaching another person um, how to access the kind of the spiritual power and the revelations that one can achieve by going through a near-death experience. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. without actually going through a near-death experience. And so walking the twilight path is a process that takes someone closer to the idea of mortality and death, uh, allows them to begin to make peace with it so it's no longer fearful or something frightening, 
and learn to work with the energy of things on the other side, learn to uh, reach out to spirits and allow them. It culminates in a self-initiation rite where you have a spirit companion uh, lead you through as close as you can to that side where you're kind of like, you know, reaching hands across the veil. Um, it helps to develop a lot of psychic ability and a lot of spirit mediumship. Uh, and a major part of the book is if you seek to walk with a foot on both sides of the path, a foot right. in the physical realm and a foot in the spiritual realm, uh, what what you should do with that, um, you know, you should how you should use that to benefit other people, to you know, console the dying, to work with spirits that need to move on, things that you can actually use beyond uh, just learning to come to terms with death as a force of change yourself. When is so that book that, coming out? That is coming out in September. Okay, okay. And um, it's, actually, it's already up on Amazon and available for pre-order, uh, but it doesn't really? come out okay. until September. All right. Uh, question on that, since the subject brought it up. Um, spirit guides. Okay. I always kind of say that your first level of spirit guides be the loved ones who have passed away. Is that, uh, is that the right frame of thinking? Uh, I would agree with that. Because uh, yeah. they're the have, ones that love you the most, and they would be who the have ones an actual, Yeah, an actual interest in, in helping you out. Uh, right. And, yeah, my, my grandfather hung around for a while just because he... He wanted to be there to watch things. He died before my first book came out, so he wanted to actually, like, you know, kind of see how my life went on. Yeah, yeah. Do you do readings for individuals? Uh, I used to. I, I, I don't do so much anymore. Um, every once in a while, and I'm sure you've had this happen, where, like, I am just you, – you see someone and you're overcome with the need to tell them something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, more of what I do, rather than readings, is I do a lot of uh, healing work, a lot of energy work. Um, okay. Going basically reading their energy body and getting a sense for um, potential health issues or current health issues, and uh, clearing their energy if it's like blocked or stagnant, and giving them tips on how to cultivate healthier energy and also cultivate you know better physical health along yeah. with that. So. And the web page again, where people can contact you. Uh, my first and last name, michellebellinger.com, B-E-L-A-N-G-E-R, or just Google Michelle and Vampire, and I'll come up. It's clever. I like that. <laughs> I like that one. Okay. Um, Michelle, thank you. Okay. Oh, I'm pretty. Is there anything much. else you would you... like to? Oh, I'm. Is there I'm, anything I'm else sure. you'd like to talk about? Um, I'm. Well, the, I, I will say that the book coming out in the spring is actually just a collection of ghost stories. It's called Haunting Experiences, and it's my coming to terms with spirit mediumship, uh, being somebody who can see dead people. And okay. uh, it's just stories of different cases that I've investigated and different experiences that I've had. Uh, I think the experience of the Excalibur, if I can get permission from the Excalibur to include it, will mm-hmm. be in there. Um it's one of the hard parts about, you know, having an experience at one of any kind of famous place is you still have to, you know, get them to agree to the fact that you're going to mention it. Yeah, yeah. Do you um you do tours too, do you are you gonna be doing it in, in any major cities coming up? Uh I have let me see, I'm doing Dragon Con in August, the last weekend of August, which I think is Labor Day. I'm gonna be in Atlanta, Georgia at a large event called Dragon Con. Uh the Ghost Hunters and Patrick Burns of um, Haunting Evidence and a bunch of other folks all show up there, as well as uh, Dave Schrader of Darkness Radio. 
and I think Rosemary Ellen Guiley is going to be there again this year, too. Uh, I'm also going to be appearing at UNIFCON, which is run by uh, the, the, the Young People of Paranormal State. It's the, uh, uh-huh. the new A&E show. They yeah. run a convention out in the middle of Pennsylvania, and right. usually it's in October, but they've moved it. So it's going to be uh, around September 11th this year. I'm going to be out for that. Uh, I don't have a whole lot going on this summer, although uh, my my own group hosts an event, and we have a three-day weekend coming up in June, uh, the 6th, 7th, and 8th, where we do workshops and teach our style of energy work. And uh, we'll also have a sign-up sheet for energy body readings and things. And that's in Ohio, just out, just outside of Cleveland by the airport. Yeah, is that the house, house what house is it, Kate? Yeah. House Kepperoo, yeah. like kangaroo. Okay, okay. That's your group then, right? Yeah, that's that's my group. And what is it? What what does the group consist of doing? Um, we are all energy workers. Some of us are psychic vampires, and we we kind of consider ourselves a wisdom tradition where we 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 learn so that we can then teach. Is that open to anybody? Uh yeah. We've we take members, we take applications, and the open house is open to anybody and everybody. And it really gets an eclectic crowd of people. There'll be pagans and Wiccans and vampires and New Agers and energy workers and uh, humanists and everything else in between. Oh, wow. What city is that going to be in? Um, it's going to be in Cleveland, and okay. it's June 6th, 7th, and 8th. And uh, information about that uh, is on, on my other website, which is org, and that is K-H-E. P E R U dot org, okay. and I'm pretty sure that that will come up if you just type House Keperu, uh just again in Google. Well, you also have a link to it on your webpage too. So. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you do. I'm it's sitting a, here thinking a, in the back of my head, going, "I think I do." Yeah, it's. Um, I'm looking at it right now, right below your newsletter, which you have also, and Vampire Community documents. You also have the house in. Uh, Kapu, Kapuru, I guess you would say. Uh, you have the webpage for it, so the okay, website, good. a yeah, link to wasn't it. So sure, off the top of my head, if I had actually been smart enough to put a link up there. <laughs> no, you got it. You got it. So yes, you are smart enough. So uh, thank you. It was very. Uh, it was very. We got a caller, um, and I know who the caller is. Okay. Uh, it's, it's my wife. Hello, my wife's name is Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Uh, uh, Kathy, Michelle, Michelle, Kathy. Hey, Kathy. Uh, Hello. Yeah. Um, Michelle, was very interesting. And like I said, that Dreamwalker book, I'm very uh, dreamwalking, psychic dreamwalking. I may be looking into myself uh, because I like the concept of um, what we talked about, those in your past lives you're able to, you know, from past lives you're able to contact with. So... Um, Thank you tonight. Very interesting. Thank and, you very much. Uh, and um, again, people can get your books at the website. They can sign up for your newsletter. They can um, visit about your other group where you'll be doing the the the, the day with the workshops and stuff like that. Now, do you do workshops throughout the country, or is it yeah. just? Um, yeah, no, I I travel all over the place. Um, I'm frequently up in Chicago. Uh, last time I was up at, uh, let me see. Out of the Arts and Transitions Book Place, uh, okay. and those are those are regular places to go to. I'm probably going to be up there again 
sometime in the early fall, uh, but I haven't confirmed dates yet. Uh, there's yeah. there's something that I have in the works that made me kind of have to clear my schedule because I may suddenly ha- find myself having to travel, and I hate canceling on people mm-hmm. at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's it's been in the works for about a couple of months, but it depends on a whole lot of other things. <laughs> well, I hope it uh, pans out for you then. Yeah, it, it, it might involve me on TV a lot more than oh, I've been. Oh, excellent, so. excellent, excellent. So uh, we could look for you uh, being out there. Uh, if it does happen, please notify me. Oh, okay? yeah, I'll, I'll make and, sure to uh, let everybody know. Yeah, and when the other book comes out, uh, I'd like to have you on again, um, the one that's coming out in September. Oh, okay. Absolutely. All right, Michelle. Thank you very much. Listeners, thank you. Uh, we're going to, because I'm losing my voice and everything else, we're going to finish the show with some music. Michelle, thank you. I'd like to invite you back in the future. And, All right. Uh, you have a good night. Take care thank of yourself, you and I hope you get better. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
listeners. Bye-bye.